This summer, we are on a series of Heroes of Faith from Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to be in Hebrews 11 today. If you need a Bible, we, we didn't pick one up when you came in. Uh, just grab one. We have uh, ushers. Just slip up your hand. We, we, we just have them ready to hand out to you. So please take one. We're going to be at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. And in the Bibles that are being handed out, that's page 834. Hebrews 11 is called the faith chapter. It's all about faith. And when you stop and think about it, faith is the heart of life. For example, when you go to a doctor, and I I go to a doctor in this room, uh, but when you go to a doctor, sometimes you can't even pronounce the doctor's name. And the, the doctor may give you a prescription that you don't understand. And you take that prescription to a pharmacist that you've never seen before and she gives you a prescription to take home and follow the instructions and you do it by faith because faith is the heart of life it takes faith to read a recipe for the first time and then prepare the food anybody here still read recipes it takes faith to do that Uh, It takes faith to leave your car at a repair shop and trust the mechanic to fix it. It takes faith to accept legal advice from an attorney or a friend. I'm not sure which one it takes more faith. Um, It takes faith to have someone prepare your income tax fairly and accurately. And it takes faith if you do it yourself. Maybe even more faith if you try it yourself. Depends on how complicated yours are. Mine takes about 25 pages. I have someone else do mine. Um, It takes faith to have someone cut your hair, right? That that is if you have hair. It takes faith. Um, Living by faith is an everyday occurrence. I want to show you uh, a couple of pictures of an example of a man of faith. We have a really good picture here. I don't know if you can tell... This is hard to tell who this is, Um, but this is a man of great faith. It's especially uh, a man of great faith because how old he is. And so um, this is my attempt at walking across the tightrope at the UW Challenge course, the high ropes course. Second picture. It is a challenge, and that's 35 feet up in the air. That took a great deal of faith. Next uh, pick. And so those are baby steps of faith right there. Next picture. Okay, and this is where my faith began to waver. And I was really grateful for that rope that I was hanging on to. Next picture. And, and the goal was to go across and touch the uh, building. And I had just done that, and I was on my return trip. And you can see the, the ropes are crisscrossed, so that was the trick, was to handle the, the crisscross as you navigated. And then the last picture is I've finally gotten almost to the end and I'm going to drop backward 35 feet to the ground. That's a man of great faith. Today we learn about a man who demonstrated his faith just a little more in a more spectacular way. His name was Noah. And Noah is a hero of faith. And this is an example. uh, If you follow along on your outlines and your programs, This is an example of faith that follows God against unpopular opinion. Um, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. Here's what Scripture says about this hero. His name is Noah. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, 
built an ark to save his family. By faith, by his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. I think this is going to be about faith. Uh, the story is found of faith is found in Genesis chapter 6, verses 9 through 20, and I'm going to read that. It's Genesis chapter 6, which takes you back to the first book in the Bible. Genesis means origins, by the way, generations, the Genesis. And so that's what this whole story is about. Uh, in, Genesis, in the book of Genesis, is about the beginnings, the beginning of creation, uh, the whole beginning of sin, the beginning of the nation Israel. There's a lot of beginnings. Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, is the story of Noah. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. What a great thing to have said about you. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people. Kind of serious here. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy them and the earth. And so the early part of Genesis 6 is about sexual sin. That's included in what's happening here, whatever it is. I don't know all that was going on here, but it was such a big deal with God. God said, I've had enough. I'm going to do something about it. And he gives Noah an assignment. Verse 14, so make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. So God said what he was going to do, and God said what he wanted Noah to do. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Make a roof for it and finish the ark to within 18 inch of the, of the top. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish. But I, and this is what God is going to do, I will establish my covenant with you. You, this is what Noah is supposed to do, you will enter the ark. You and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Getting them in is one thing. Keeping them alive is another thing. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you. God would orchestrate that to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be, to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. No big deal. Just go build an ark and save everything on earth. And so um, that's what happened. End of story. The response of faith, Genesis 6.22. Genesis 6.22, we got that. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Big, big responsibility, and Noah did everything. Noah responded to God in faith. This is biblical faith. Faith is taking God at his word. Faith is listening to God and doing what he says.
the work of faith, Hebrews 11.7. Again, we're going to see a lot of Hebrews 11.7. The work of faith. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, fear, built an ark to save his family. God warned Noah about what he was about to do. God spoke to Noah, and he put the ball into Noah's court. God instructed him on what to do and how to build this thing. I can just, you know, imagine this. Noah, I want you to build an ark. Lord, what's an ark? Um, He was warned about things not yet seen. I wonder if Noah had ever even seen an ocean-going vessel. Noah is not close to a body of water. Don't know exactly where he is, but he's not close to a body of water. And he's been given this assignment to build an ark 450 feet long. And um, he said, I'm going to judge the earth I've, and, I, and, and creatures on the earth and human beings are going to be executed. And I don't think Noah had ever seen anything like that before. He was warned about things not yet seen. In holy fear, in awe of God, he built an ark. So a question here, how long does it take to build an ark? If you ever get that chance, how long does it take to build an ark? So when you think about this, the boat was entirely made of wood. You know, boat builders usually today, you know, they, they're a gigantic amount of steel. There are no chainsaws to cut the trees. There are no Home Depots or lumber yards. There were no uh, paint stores because the thing had to be covered with pitch. Uh, no electric power saws or cordless drills. Well, their, cor- their drills were cordless. I'm just trying to see if you guys are awake because I'm not sure. There, there were no delivery trucks. There were no freight trains to come to the building site. Um, so how long does it take to build an ark? I don't know. doesn't say exactly, but there's a clue in Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. Genesis 6, verse 3. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal. His days will be 120 years. This is God making a decision after he had had enough of what was happening on earth. He made a decision to put an end to man as man knows his life. I don't know exactly when he communicated with Noah, but it must be soon after that, that Noah gets this job. And it's going to take 120 years. When you see how big the ark, you're not surprised that it would take 120 years. Now, you know, that's a, that creates a, a difficult question. Um, but we aren't there yet. Um, question, what was the ark like? We, we've already noted Genesis 6 points out it's 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. This is about... One and a half, the length is about one and a half times a football field to give you a picture. That'd be big in your backyard, wouldn't it? You know, think about building a house out of wood that big. It's about half the size of the Titanic. Anybody here seen the Queen Mary? Just me? <laughs> it's about half the size of the Queen Mary. They're, they're, if you go visit the Queen Mary, it's real close to the size of the Titanic. Um, 
it's estimated that the cargo capacity of the ark was the same as about 522 railroad cars. Well, how big is that? Well, a railroad car would hold about 240 sheep to give you the idea of capacity that you could put animals in this thing. Um, It's estimated that it only would take 188 railroad cars to hold all of the animals, 45,000 or so, if they came in pairs as God prescribed, you would only need room for 188 railroad cars, which leaves 312 railroad car capacity for food and the other stuff. I don't know what they did with all the stuff that was created during that time, but they had room. The animals would have included dinosaurs. It's possible that God caused some of the animals. I don't know the answer to this. The scripture doesn't say. But it's possible that God caused some of the animals to be in a hibernation state for this time. Maybe, maybe not. Certainly God could do it. God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. Remember that? When he created the woman. God may cause a deep sleep on you during this service. I don't know. Um, question how old was Noah and how could anyone live that long well the scripture says that uh, Genesis 7 6 says that Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters came upon the face of the earth 600 okay that's a long time in Genesis 9:29, the scripture says that Noah lived 950 years total. That creates a, a question that I, it's not a part of my experience. Um, so I'm going to share a possible solution. You may have heard of this. It's called the canopy theory. It's just a theory. It's Maybe a possibility. There are other good theories, okay? That's what it is. It's a theory. The Bible doesn't teach this, but there is room for a theory. And by the way, when you're talking about Genesis chapter 6, you're talking about Genesis chapter 1 or chapter 2. When you're talking about, you're talking about nobody was there to observe creation, and we don't know all that was going on uh, in Genesis chapter 6. And so, I'm just saying, here's a theory. I'm not trying to convince you that this is what the Scripture says, okay? I'm making a big difference between what Scripture says and a theory. So I'm going to give you a shot at this. In uh, the view of the canopy theory emerges from from Genesis chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from the water. So God made... The expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. What was the expanse? I don't know. But what we do know is there are two water sources, one above, one below. That's clear here. The canopy theory proposes that the expanse is a vapor canopy that enshrouds the entire earth. Keep in mind it's a theory, so let me just do the theory. Um, if there was a canopy around the entire earth of vapor 
it could have produced a greenhouse effect on Earth. Uh, a greenhouse-like environment. Perhaps a paradise for dinosaurs and men at the same time. A lot of you probably know that mastodons, who are, who are, are woolly mammoths that have been, become extinct, have been found with tropical plants in Siberia in their stomachs. There was a different land mass there before sometime. Um, Genesis 7:11 describes how the flood came. All the springs of the grape deep burst forth, and the flood of floodgates of heaven were open, and rain fell on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. The flood came from two water sources. One was subterranean, and one was from above. That's clear. That's biblical. Whatever happened, throw out my theory if you like, this whole thing was designed by God orchestrated by God and executed by God. And the God who raised Jesus from the dead does not have problems doing these things. So I don't necessarily need a good scientific theory, but there, I appreciate the Christians, especially with a scientific background, who have explored some of these things and made some models and tests. There are other good theories too. I'm just trying to help you think about this. Um, the scripture says, uh, one of the things, think about this, two sources of water. If some of the water came from above and this vapor canopy that enshrouded the entire earth collapsed, um, that removed a dramatic barrier between the earth and the sun. And also that if this happened, some uh, scholars believe that there would be rapid cooling on both the North and the South Pole immediately, which does uh, at least give a theory for Arctic ice and, and, and Antarctica, and uh, which may suggest there are things in the ice that someday we will discover. And I, there are things getting discovered all the time that have been in the ice. Um, so again, I'm sharing a theory now, here's the way it works out. Think about it. If when Noah comes out of the ark, he lives until he's 950. That's really, that's a hard one to explain. However, if the climate on the earth changed drastically. So what we have in Genesis uh, 9 is Noah living 950 years. We get to Genesis 25 and Abraham lives 175 years. That's a pretty drastic drop off. When you get to the life of David in uh, the book of Psalms, about the 10th century before Christ, David says the full life is three score and 10. Whoa, that's pretty drastic. I don't know. Something changed pretty drastically. Is it possible that the environment in Noah's day was way different than in our day, which uh, was related to the ages? And it also explains perhaps why dinosaurs became extinct. So, the deal is, God did this. He brought the flood. Whatever the changes happened, God was behind it. So, that's the uh, work of faith of Noah. He built this ark thing. The ministry of faith, Hebrews 11, verse 7, we're coming back to that. By his faith, he, that is Noah, condemned the world. 
Noah not only had an ark building job, he also had a preaching ministry. You know, think about this. Uh, Noah's out there building an ark and he's got his family. You know, how would you like to be one of the kids? Dad, can I go play with my friends? Nope. We're going to build an ark. You think about people hearing about Noah. You know, Noah, what are you doing? Oh, I'm building an ark. Well, what's an ark? Well, this is God's plan to save the world. By the way, God is going to judge the entire world with water. What'd you say? What are you doing? And he's building this great big boat miles and miles and miles away from any large body of water. That would be unpopular. People would laugh at you. You are silly. You are stupid. And sometimes faith goes against popular opinion. Sometimes following God puts you in a reverse course against your society. This was probably really humorous. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 5. Here's what Peter says, talking about God. If he, that is God, did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness. There we get this idea of Noah had a proclamation ministry. I don't know that he stood up at a pulpit and said, repent, the kingdom of God is coming. I don't think he did that. I think he just worked and people come up and talk to him and he just told the story. God told me to build an ark. And God said, there's going to be a judgment. And guess what? The only way that I understand that you could be saved from this coming judgment is that you have to enter the ark. If you do what God says, you could be saved. And that's what Noah had to say. He was a preacher of righteousness. Um, I'm going to jump to uh, second, the second major point. Faith that follows God is rewarded eternally. Faith that follows God is rewarded, rewarded eternally. The key concept of faith, we go back to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. We're coming to verse 7, the key concepts. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. you remember that? There's one of the key concepts. It is impossible to please God without faith. It is impossible. Please understand that. It is impossible to please God. Next, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. So there's a place for your intellectual of faith to believe that he, you know, a lot of... I hear a lot of people say, well, I believe God exists. Oh, cool, big deal. You know, the scripture says even, I don't usually say that to people who say that, but, you know, it's more than that because even the demons believe and tremble. They know God exists. They know their future outcome. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that He's the real deal. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. There is reward that goes with living by faith. We understand the New Testament. That includes eternal salvation if you trust Jesus Christ who paid the penalty for your sin. We also understand there's an inheritance for believers. We also understand that there are rewards for obedience eternally. I sometimes come across Christians who say, well, you know, I don't really care about the rewards. You know, sort of a real humble attitude. I'm not into the rewards thing. How can you be biblical and not care about what God says? And it says here that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. 
By the way, there, there are plenty of pans, commands in Scripture to seek after God, to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And one of the questions I have for you is, what are you doing in seeking after God right now? It's causing you to live by faith and to trust him. Um, scripture says God rewards those who earnestly seek him. You know, in my faith story, um, a long time ago, when I was 25 years old and an atheist, I had a six-year-old daughter. I still have her, but she's not six. She was a believer in Jesus, and I was an atheist. The weekend I came to faith in Jesus, I was trying to understand faith. I was intellectually trying to have somebody explain it to me. I just needed the intellectual data. So that once I understood that, it, I just all make sense. And, my, and this is like 2 a.m. in the morning. My daughter had been up all night, and she came up to me, and she quoted Hebrews 11:6. Dad, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And one of the things I understood at this point in my life was, if the gospel is true, even a child can understand it. And I kind of caught right by then that she's got the real deal. She, she's just not little, a little kid who's believing Sunday school stories because she's not smart enough yet. God cares about her. God wants her to understand, and her faith is real. She has it, and I don't. I understood that that night at 2 a.m. in the morning. So faith that follows God is rewarded eternally. The rewards of faith, Hebrews 11, 7. Let's look at that. By faith, Noah, when he warned, was, you're going to get used to this passage. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, he'd never seen an ark, he'd never seen flood waters, in holy fear, in awe before a holy God, built an ark, 120 years of work, by his faith, he condemned the world. That was a proclamation ministry and a working ministry. And he became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah grew in righteousness before a holy God. Noah grew in righteousness. Um, Question, was it faith or works that saved Noah? Was it faith or works that saved Noah? Because, you know, Noah did this for 120 years, and, the, and it says that um, there was, he was an heir of righteousness. So is it faith or is it his good works that saved him? Or is it his faith and his good works that saved him? And I think the answer is right in the text. I think we should look at Hebrews eleven seven one more time. By his faith, by faith, when he was warned, he built the ark. That's what motivated the work was his faith, and then by his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Three times by faith, it was all about his faith. It wasn't about his works that he was commanded by God. It was his faith. Now, Genesis 6, 9. We've got Genesis. There we go. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. What's the big deal about this? This is before the flood. Noah was already a righteous man. All the 120 years of building the ark was a righteous man living by faith. 
doing what God said. He was blameless among the people of his time. He walked with God. Man, how would you like God to say that about you? You were blameless among your generation. Your name written. You walked with God. Noah was a righteous man. It's one of the reasons why God picked Noah for this great task. The Apostle James understands this concept, James 2.18. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. James understood. It's not about, is it faith or is it works or good deeds? The way you show your faith, the way you demonstrate your faith, the proof of your faith that you already have the real deal is what, how you live. It's what you do. It's exactly what Noah demonstrated. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 is another um, passage. This is the Apostle Paul. He, he gets this clearly. Uh, we know 2, 8 and 9 uh, very well. For it is by grace you've been saved. We lost it. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and that is uh, not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. So it's not about you. It's not about what you do. It's not about your good works that save you. It's your faith. It's a gift. It comes from God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Can we get that? There we go. Verse 10. So saved because of faith. Verse 10, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. God did the work, and he made us, and created in Christ Jesus means we were born again spiritually. We got this new spiritual life and this new spiritual connected with God, created in Christ Jesus. Why? To do good works. That's why God saved you from the penalty of your sins, so that you would do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Think about that for you. God has already prepared things for you to do. Already. All you have to do is walk with God, just like Noah walked with God, and you're going to walk right into the things that he wants you to do. Stay connected with God. Stay in tune with God. Obey God, and you're going to walk into the stuff that he has for your life. Um. I want to end with a story. wonder how many have heard of this guy. His name was Jean-Francois Gravelet. I don't see anybody that recognizes that name. His professional name was Charles Blondin. He was called the Great Blondin, and he was a tightrope walker. He lived from 1824 to 1897. He was world famous. His celebrity status came from walking a tightrope 1,100 feet long in a three-and-a-quarter-inch diameter, 160 feet above the Niagara River, and he walked across it on many occasions. I think we have a picture of Blondin here. This is an actual picture. His first walk was June 30th, 1859. Cameras have changed a bit since that time, so has clothing. Um, Blondin was very much an entertainer. 
He crossed Niagara Falls blindfolded. He walked across Niagara Falls on stilts. He pushed a wheelbarrow across the falls with a woman in it. He balanced a chair on two legs over the Niagara, and he crossed the falls with his manager on his back. Second picture. This is his manager. He was very much an entertainer. This is a posed picture, probably, but it's a real picture, and it's really of his manager. Next picture. This is he and his manager crossing the Niagara Falls. He really did it. He was a great entertainer. He he was known in Europe, France, and England, and the U.S. And here he is with the wheelbarrow. He actually did this, and supposedly actually did it with a person in it. Um, On one occasion... um, when Blondin was at the Niagara and he had just crossed it, he approached a man and he said, do you believe that I can walk across the tightrope with a man on my back? And the man who had seen Blondin before said, absolutely, yes. He may have not said absolutely. That's maybe my word. He said, yes. And uh, Blondin said, get on my back. And the man said, I can do that. No way. And um, it's one thing to believe intellectually that Blondin can do it. It's another thing to trust him totally, isn't it? It's one thing to believe in God intellectually. It's another thing to trust him totally with your life. Let's stand and pray. Father, I thank you for Hebrews eleven seven. I thank you for the story of Noah. And he's a hero. And some days his life probably didn't seem like it was very fun. And some days he was scooping stuff because God had given him a job in an ark. And yet... You were honored by his faith and you honored him for us. And you gave him as an example for us to learn and for us to follow so that we might live by faith and so we might trust you even when things are unpopular, even when you ask us to do something that goes against the grain of our culture, even when you ask us to do something that makes us feel uncomfortable. Thank you for Noah. And God, would you grow our faith? Would you remind us to take seriously the things that you've asked us to do? To live in a way that pleases you and it's not about us. It's not about pleasing us. It's not about making other people happy. But it's about pleasing you. Because without faith, it's impossible to please you. For Jesus' sake, I pray. Amen.